are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here with you on the Friday episode of this program. It is a film Friday, and I actually brought an extra special guest with me to help break it down. An extra set of eyes uh, looking after Marcel Harris and DJ Jones are the two young defenders on the 49ers that we're going to focus on today. And my guest is Chris Wilson. He is the lead writer from LockedOn49ers.com, helping me put more content over there on the website, and he's also a frequent guest on the show, so it's always fun to talk with the very smart football mind of Chris Wilson. Going to bring him on momentarily. Just a reminder to subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. You can find all the podcasts on the network just about everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can also email the show, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com, and now let's get into it. Film Friday and bring on today's guest. My guest today is the lead writer at LockedOn49ers.com. You remember him from the show, numerous appearances here. He's all over uh, the internet writing things about the 49ers. He is Chris Wilson. Chris, always a pleasure. How you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Well, can you tell the listeners where to find you on Twitter and where else you are writing, not just LockedOn49ers.com? You can find me on Twitter at uh, CGA Wilson. I write at a handful of places, uh, fan-sided, um, Niner Noise, 49ers Web Zone. Just started doing uh, Clutch Points, uh, NFL Analysis Network. So uh, yeah, basically just Google uh, my name in 49ers and, and you'll come up with a, a whole bunch of sites and a whole bunch of, whole bunch of different articles. Inside the 49, my uh, brother's site that I, uh, that, that I began my, uh, my uh, very uh, illustrious writing career at uh, four <laughs> years ago, so... Yeah, so those are uh, those are the major ones that I post on on a regular basis. And always a pleasure to uh, read your stuff that you put on LockedOn49ers.com. And we've got some stuff coming up uh, that's in relation to what we're going to talk about here today on the show. We're going to do a little film breakdown, talk about what we saw from Week 14 against the Broncos with a couple of players in particular, and maybe we'll you know there'll be some other players mixed in here that we that we noticed or that were involved in plays. But mostly we're going to focus today on Marcel Harris, the rookie safety sixth rounder out of Florida that's just now uh, getting his footing in the NFL and getting a chance to start at strong safety for the 49ers due to a bunch of injuries. And he spent the first half of the season on uh, IR or the pup list, I guess, or was it short-term IR? I can't remember now, but basically he was hurt at Florida and, and didn't play a lot last year. And so now he's getting a chance to play and he looks like a little bit of a player. So we'll talk about him and the fire plug inside DJ Jones, the nose tackle. We're going to talk about him a little bit, and I, I liked a lot of what I saw there as well. So let's start with the safety first, the rookie safety sixth rounder, Marcel Harris. And uh, first, I'll just I'll just put it in your court. What is like? What was the overriding thing that you saw from Marcel Harris on Sunday? The overriding thing is that uh, he was just so much better than he was against Seattle because mm-hmm. he was. Um, he was a player who was learning his position in Seattle, to, to, uh, to say the least. And, and he's a kid who barely played at all in college. I think he has like nine college starts. Um, uh, you know, just due to, uh, I guess, his senior year, he lost the entire year due to an uh, Achilles injury yeah. uh, preseason. And then, um, you know, and only had a um, you know, basically one, one full season of starts. 
uh, injuries and then, and then um, a little bit of action um, as a backup. So, I mean, he's a kid who really hasn't played, you know, at a, um, <laughs> anywhere near this level. Um, and even at the college level, even, you know, he's playing in a, on a great team in a, in a great division, but, um, you know, it's, it's still not the NFL. So it's, um, it, it, he's the kind of kid who's going to take a little while to develop. And, um, and uh, I, I do give props to, to Sala. I don't do that uh, very often, but I, I, <laughs> I, I definitely do for this last uh, contest because he definitely simplified it for, uh, for Harris. And, um, and uh, I mean, Harris really, sh- really, uh, really shined during the game. And especially during that, um, that the, uh, the, you know, the last series, or the second, or actually, I guess it would technically be the, uh, the second to last series when he made those three, uh, three consecutive stops on second th- down, third down, and fourth down. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, uh, he's a kid who's got, um, you know, a, a lot of potential. He, not, not, not the most straightaway speed, but he's a, uh, he's definitely a big hitter. And he's, um, I mean, he seems to uh, replay as well most of the time, and he's definitely an, an, an uh, instinctive guy. And sometimes it gets him into trouble. Uh, it, that did a lot in the Seattle game. Um, it, it didn't get him into, into too much trouble uh, in the Denver game. Um, I think p- part of that was because of uh, a lack of uh, quality quarterback play on the other side. Um, so, yeah, it would be really interesting to see if he takes that, you know, that, that additional step up against uh, you know, a good quarterback in Russell Wilson this upcoming week. Um, if he can be anywhere near he, where he was uh, last week, then um, the Niners have a, a, a good problem on their hands because they have a, a couple of uh, potential uh, long-term uh, strong safeties that they have uh, tied up to multi-year deals. So it'll be interesting to see if he you know, it turns into a, a guy who has a, a role in this defense going forward or if he's just a, a backup piece or if he's, you know, or if he's just relegated to you know, special teams until he can really, really learn the position. Right, so and did, I would think that did, just you, with, you, have, you have any chance to to go through his uh, his film over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I I just saw him sort of flash a little bit last week against the Seahawks, and then against the Broncos, I paid a little bit more of attention because he seemed to be more of a flash player when I first saw him, and he would show up, and then he seemed to play a lot better against the Broncos and more consistent. So when I went back and watched, I liked a lot of the things I saw, and. Um, he would seem to have the right mentality and, you know, athleticism and height, weight, speed and all those things to be a good special teams player. Even if, you know, not everybody's going to be a starter in the NFL long term. But I did like some things I saw from from him starting against the Broncos. And again, he flashed. He, he's that guy that when he sees it, he's really good at going and getting it like he's good in pursuit once he sees it. And I think I like him and which is usually the case, especially with rookies and with a lot of safeties is they're much better going forward. And like when, when the play's developing in front of them and, and I like the angles he takes to the ball and he's able to see it and then go get it and go make a play. And when he's retreating and going in reverse, I think he's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit more difficult for guys and, and young guys. So you would kind of expect that, but he played under control too, for being someone who I called a flash player. I didn't see him overrunning plays. You know, he stayed sound on the backside of running plays and didn't just like completely abandon it and allow a big cutback lane. And so and part of that, I think he's thinking a little bit. You can see, actually, it's funny because once the play starts, I think he relaxes a little bit. But but pre-snap, he's kind of jittery and you can really see it on the all 22. He's like, "Uh, okay, am I in the right spot? Am I in the right spot? He's like looking around pointing and he's like, okay. And so, I, you know, like you mentioned, he's a young player. And so you can kind of see some of that. But. Uh, to, he played pretty well, and he's played less football than some other guys, and he's already gotten gotten his way on the field and didn't have an offseason to work out with the team. So it's actually pretty impressive to see him play as well as he did against the Broncos with such little practice time. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And and, um, and the way that Salah you know simplified a lot of uh, his responsibilities, especially early in the game, um, when when the the Niners were primarily playing man, is is he he's I mean he put here's right up the line of scrimmage um, in like sort of like a modified like bare front, but 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 was switching the uh, outside linebacker with the uh, with the strong safety. So so the strong safety was actually inside the outside linebacker slash you know like a. Uh, Leo Otto, you know, a Sam uh, rusher, and uh, and he would just be seven technique up on the um, you know much um, less athletic um, was it uh, Matt Lacoste, the, their uh, their 18th string uh, uh, tight end with yeah, all the injuries they had this year, uh, and, and and he and he would very he would basically just um, I mean he played the run if it was run, but otherwise you know they knew that he had the speed and the athleticism to take care of uh, Lacoste, who I, who I don't think he may, might have caught a ball or two, but not not on Harris. Um, and um, you know, and, and even if Harris made a little bit of a mistake, he was able to to um, yeah, to, to to make up for it quickly just with his athleticism. And it, it definitely was a good um, good game plan for him, um, especially in the in the, uh, the beginning of the game because he uh, and like you said, I mean, there are a couple of times when when he, he was you know caught alone on the backside and. Um, one you know, very nice play when he, he cut back on a reverse and uh, uh, inside the offensive lineman and, and made a nice tackle. And then uh, another play early in the game when the Solomon Thomas uh, pretty much blew up the play and you know, he was all alone on the outside um, and you know made a nice tackle on, on uh, I believe it was on Lindsay. And of course, there is a real nice tackle on Lindsay on that that fourth down play. So yeah, I, I think that they they definitely uh, recognize that um, that you know. Playing against Seattle was a little, little too complex for him, and um, he's he's still learning some of the uh, idiosyncrasies of playing uh, uh, cover three. I'm not sure how much of that he played in uh, in college, specifically the uh, the Niners uh, version of the cover three. Um, but, but yeah, but he's he's definitely learning, and, and it's a very good point where where if he's if he's going backwards, um, sometimes he gets lost, and uh, he's not he's not always hitting his markers, but. Um, you know, but you know, playing against a team like Denver that doesn't really have a lot of um, of uh, offensive uh, threats outside of Lindsey, you know, he, he's sort of able to make up for it. And um, and uh, you know, the Niners had a lot more pass rush this last uh, this last week, so so he, he did get caught in a couple of situations, but could, they could have potentially been bad. But um, but the good thing that the the Niners pass rush uh, you know got to the quarterback before he could uh, find the open receivers. So I mean, overall, I mean, it was definitely by far his uh, his best game and the most you know most plays that he's uh, uh, the most snaps he's had over uh, over what I guess he's played four games now. And um, I think I think he had more snaps in, in the Denver game than he had all in all three of those uh, other games combined. So yeah, I mean, he's definitely a definitely a guy that um, I'm excited that they that they threw into into action, and I, I'm, I'm wondering how how, uh, how injured Tart is. I, I'm sure sure he's hurt to some extent, but I'm wondering if he, if he was able to come back or not, or or if they're sort of uh, giving him the Garcon treatment, um, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, just letting him uh, letting him rest while they uh, while they've tried the uh, the rookie out in a uh, in a new position he hasn't played before to see how he to see how he does and. To see, um, you know, if he's a major piece in the, um, yeah, on the roster going forward. Yeah, and I love them letting the young guys play. And he had, yeah, seventy-four total snaps, which is definitely the most he's had so far. And so that was good to see. And let you let him go, let him learn some things. And I, I think I agree with you that they tried to simplify things, and that helped. I think that helped the whole defense playing a little bit more man coverage, which we might see a little bit more going forward. And we've seen that actually from the Seahawks this year too. So maybe, you know, that cover three thing doesn't have to be an, an all-the-time thing, and, and, you know, and they can go away from it and, and play a little man, and I think that helps, and it probably confuses teams that are 
not expecting a lot of man being, being thrown at him from the 49ers. But speaking of those 74 snaps, there's a few more in particular I want to talk about uh, in depth, especially at the end of the game, some big time stops for the 49ers. So more with Chris Wilson. We'll be breaking down some specific plays from Marcel Harris and then a little bit of DJ Jones right after this. I know you pulled some video for this, and I guess we can tease that you're going to be dropping some video on Twitter and then an article on Locked On 49ers as well. Is that correct? Yep. So I uh, ran through all of his uh, his film from week 14. Um, I'd already run his film from the previous weeks, and so there was a lot more good in week 14. So I decided to, to, uh, to put all those together. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'll probably post this out to Twitter later tonight, and then... Uh, Tomorrow morning, when when the, when the when the podcast hits, we'll have a uh, you know an, an article up there, just sort of going through the the good, the bad, and then you know there were a couple really good plays. Um, so yeah, so that's something for uh, for listeners to uh, look at for uh, uh, should be coming out on a Friday morning. Yeah, and, uh, a reminder that's at CGA Wilson is where you can find Chris on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock, and of course, LockedOn49ers.com for the full article and all of the podcasts. So. With Marcel Harris, there's obviously there was the the big time stops in the fourth quarter that I want to get to. Was there any specific plays you wanted to highlight that happened earlier in the game? Um, I know there was a couple times where he looked really good at the point of the attack, and then a couple times where he kind of uh, didn't look quite as good and got washed out very easily. And uh, I, I think it was Lindsay that put him down one time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I was talking to you about it earlier. I mean, he he got pancaked by Lindsay. Very badly on on, uh, on on actually one of his lone uh, actual uh, blitz uh, plays, but yeah, he um, I'm not sure what, what happened, but he's a little bit off balance, and and Lindsay just grabbed him and just just planted him into the ground. So <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you in the film room he's gonna be hearing about that one. Um, so I mean yeah, but you know that that's a it's a, it's a ineffective pass rush, but it's not the end of the world. Um, uh, embarrassing for sure. Yeah, especially because uh, it was the running back who's like five nine. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're, you're, you're uh, what was, was he supposed to be six, six, six feet tall, feet, 200 pounds or something yeah, like that? Yeah, five, so maybe you, something. You, probably, you probably shouldn't get planted to the ground by a little guy like that. But, but you know, <laughs> Lindsay's a, he's a firecracker, though, so oh, yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't want to go up against him. I'm going to be bigger than him, but I guarantee you could pancake me. So <laughs> Yeah, and there was a play early in the game that was similar. He was um, covering, I think it was Lacoste. It was, I think it was the first series of the game, and trying to be physical at the line of scrimmage as the tight end was releasing into his route. And the tight end almost just bowled right through him and bowled him over. But luckily, it was Lacoste, and it wasn't a super athletic player. So uh, props to Marcel Harris for being able to recover from that, and he ended up covering him pretty well on the play. But uh, you can see a little bit of that, and I think it's you know maybe reps and just maybe not expecting someone to give you that jolt that you didn't really get in college. Because a lot of these big-time players, I think that's part of it, is they're so much more athletic and bigger and faster than a lot of players in college who are future insurance salesman, right? And not future NFL players. So when you get in the NFL and all of a sudden everyone can crush you. You have to sort of, you find that edge. You're like, okay, I got to come strong on every single play because this five, nine running back is also in the NFL and might put me on my back. If I don't try to put him on his back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was actually the, uh, the, the second player from scrimmage on that, um, on the second and 10. Yeah. And, um, um, or no, actually, it was either that or yeah, it, it was it was definitely that first uh, the first drive. But yeah, but it was uh, he definitely got away with a little bit of a hold because uh, yeah, Lacoste shoved him a little bit harder than he was expecting to get uh, yeah, that's to the get one. And he was off balance and he he grabbed him a little bit. Um, 
But uh, I don't think the play was going anywhere. But I mean, he had no help over the top, so it was, it was a smart move on his part just to, to snatch that jersey a little bit and uh, <laughs> sort of lucked out by, uh, by by not getting caught by it. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's a little bit of the a, a um, well, you know welcome to NFL type of uh, moment for him, and and that that's the class. Like, you know, good luck when you up on Gronk or right. or, or Kelsey or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's a veteran move, savvy, just grabbing the hip and sort of turning with the guy. And <laughs> so nice move by Harris. So let's actually, let's, we, we don't have a ton of time here. Let's get to the fourth quarter and those big stops because I, I saw so much good from Marcel Harris. What? Let, let's break it down. So it was the, it was the, the fourth down stop. There was first, but it, it was three plays in a row. So let's start with the second, because I don't know. The fourth down stop might have been the least of impressive of the three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it was definitely impressive how he fought through the through the rub on the fourth down, um, because he has been rather unsuccessful in doing that uh, prior to uh, this game. But um, yeah, I mean, on, on the the first down run, he was um, he was a little bit farther off the line of scrimmage, so he he wasn't quite in that you know right on the line of scrimmage in that seven seven technique uh, spot that he was earlier in the game, and and. Um, and, and then I think I think they were more of an, uh, an under type of uh, uh, front if it wasn't an over front, but it was one of the one of the Niners, you know, basic uh, uh, four three fronts. But but he he was pretty close up to the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, cl- close to the, uh, the the tight end, and um, yeah, and, and he, he he got blocked by a uh, a wide receiver, I believe, and he put, pushed wide receiver in the backfield, and then you know saw, saw Lindsey uh, lose Lindsey uh, cutting up the middle. And uh, was able to you know push push the wide receiver to the side and then come in and, and make the make the tackle. I think you got a, a half credit for a half sack, a half tackle on that one. Either that one or the or the, uh, the third down play. Yeah, so, so that was definitely a, you know an impressive move that you would expect more from a linebacker than from a and from a. Uh, you know, I mean, he's not he's not a huge safety, but and he is a strong safety. But um, I mean, it, the uh, the uh, wide receiver really didn't have any any chance of uh, a blocking, but just just chance of uh, you know. Holding on to him for a second before he shoved him to the side and then uh, and then went inside to make the uh, to make the tackle. Yeah, and he was really playing fast on the series, and I love that. And it was like there was no chance for I think it was Tim Patrick was the wide receiver on that play. It was the second and six. It was actually Royce Freeman. I'm actually I'm looking at it right now because I just happen to have it up here still. So it was okay. Royce Freeman uh, on the on that second down play, second and six. And yeah, he ditches Tim Patrick like nobody's business, and it was him and Eric Armstead that were in on the tackle there. Uh, but that was, mo- I mean, you know, Armstead was there, but that play was mostly Marcel Harris. And then my favorite play, I think, was the next play, the third and two. Royce Freeman's still in the game, and yeah, 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 yeah that, absolutely. That, yeah, that one, that was the one with uh, with your um, your boy DJ, uh, DJ yes. uh, Jones, correct? Yeah, DJ Jones. So that's sort of like the segue to DJ Jones here because that was Marcel Harris and DJ Jones with a little. DeForest Buckner in there and Buckner and Jones just putting the Broncos interior O-line into Freeman's lap and then coming off the edge he was sort of lined up almost like an outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage Harris was and uh, he comes in comes off the edge flies in and and makes the play in the backfield to set up the fourth down play and that play just showcased everybody coming together to make one play right there on a third and two they've got their power back in the game they're trying to go you know, mano we mano with you and blow you off the line and convert a third down and two. And the 49ers stopped them for a loss of one. That was my favorite play, maybe of the game. Yeah, because yeah, I think Jones was uh, was double teamed on that play by the yes. uh, was the the left guard in the uh, in the center, and he just he's plowed right through him. And then while on the outside, I don't know if it was um, um, you know. 
uh, a blocking mistake by uh, by um, uh, Harris's boy Lacoste, or if if you know if the wide receiver on the outside was actually supposed to get get inside to block him. But I mean, he just shot through that gap so quickly, and and yeah, Freeman had absolutely no chance. Um, you know, if, if he wasn't going to make the tackle, then uh, then, you know, then then Reed or like two or three other guys were were just about to, and it was a uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was definitely a key play to. Uh, Southland from from getting uh, significant uh, positive yardage and and you know gave him the ability to make that uh, that nice open field tackle on third down. Yeah, I mean, sec- I mean on, on on fourth down. Yeah, in that third down play, it was the second play in a row. They tried to block him with the wide receiver, so Lacoste sort of released up to try to get the linebacker, and uh, they left the the wide receiver to block Harris on the edge, and he just blew right by him, and he almost put actually almost put Harris on his back into the backfield, and uh, yeah, he came flying in on that play, and DJ Jones occupied the center and the left guard. They tried to double he- team him. He pushed them both back, and then Buckner was one-on-one with the right guard, which was a mis- mismatch. So uh, that was a fantastic play by the front for the 49ers to make that uh, third and two stop for a loss of one. That set up the four and three, the fourth and three, where, first of all, I don't know what Keenum is doing throwing that ball. He had a he had a receiver. I don't know if it was Patrick or Lacoste. Somebody was crossing over the middle that was looked like pretty open and was Across the line and or across the uh, the first down marker, but he went dumped it off to the running back and uh, Marcel Harris was in man coverage on that fourth down play, which helped him because he was already on his way there and he was like you mentioned got through the rub, got through the trash there pretty easily and then was able to make the play. It was one on one. It was like either you make the play or they're going to convert this and uh, he came up big and uh, he was like a missile in that play. So a really great three play run there from Marcel Harris to close out and end a, a, a really important Broncos drive. Yeah. I mean, that, that was pretty much the, uh, the, the difference in the game there. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with you that, that if, uh, if Keenan was a little more aware of his, uh, of his surroundings there, I, I think it was like a, a total flood to the left side I and mean, everyone was going to the left side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he was really expecting, um, I think it was, it was Lacoste again um, to, uh, you know, to, to create the rub with one, you know, one, either uh, I think it was a Witherspoon on the left side or um, or, or Harris. Um, you know, expecting to do that, but Witherspoon did a good job of pushing Lacoste to the inside, and then uh, and Harris fought through it. And um, I mean, I, I understand you wanting to put the ball into the hands of your your most um, explosive playmaker, but um, yeah, when you have uh, open wide receivers that are you know, because they're, they're, I think they're just in a, a straight man there. Um, so when you have open wide receivers in the middle of the field and you know no 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 linebackers knock the ball down, uh, it'd probably be a little bit wiser to hit, hit one of those guys. But with with his accuracy in the game, maybe uh, maybe going to the open receiver and hoping his you know his open uh, um, uh, running back was able to make a play was uh, was a smart move. But definitely definitely didn't work out for them on that play. That was it was really the uh, you know, the uh, the difference in the game there. Yeah, and that one really felt like it was the the play that was going to seal it, even though there was a few more chances for the Broncos where you weren't completely convinced that the game was over, but that was oh, a yeah, big one. Yeah, yeah, like like after we kneeled it. A little yeah, bit too, uh, even yeah. after victory formation, it's like, oh, no, still not over. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> like, time to leak tweets up. It's not over yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Never seen that one before. So uh, let's let's move on to DJ Jones then, the man that annihilated that double team on the third and two, setting up the fourth down stop. DJ Jones. My first sentence here with DJ Jones after just watching the tape and watching him play, it just says, DJ Jones is a big old donkey. <laughs> I, I just love that. The four, like, I like the players that, you know, it's, it's why I like Trent Taylor, who's, you know, 5'8 and 180 pounds or whatever he is. 
and he's a jitterbug and he can get open and do his thing. Um, I like the players that are almost cartoonish in that they are this one thing and you know exactly what they are. And I like that about DJ Jones, and that's how I like my nose tackles to be like wider than they are tall and they're immovable. And Earl Mitchell's just not that player. And I, you know, and I know the coaching staff loves Earl Mitchell, and maybe he got overpaid in free agency. And maybe he's, you know, someone who they thought could come in and, and get a little push. And, and he's somewhat athletic, a little undersized nose tackle, but he can hold up against the run. But to me, it's just like DJ Jones is a monster in the middle. And every snap that DJ Jones gets taken away from him from Earl Mitchell down the stretch just seems like a wasted snap to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and I, I've sort of been on that on that uh, that train since uh, week one of last year. Or I, I actually, um, when, when we signed him in the first place, because uh, <laughs> right. I, I was somewhat familiar with Mitchell, and I was like, "This just really, really doesn't make any sense to me." Um, that's a lot of money to be paying a guy like that. Um, I mean, he's supposed to be a good guy. Um, you know, all, all the best of luck to him if he goes somewhere else. Um, but right. yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that um, for the amount of money that we're or the, the Niners are paying him. When you have a guy like uh, DJ Jones who's on a uh, with a sixth round uh, contract, you have him for another two years. Um, he's a more effective um, um, run defender than uh, than Mitchell. It's it's sort of odd that like that uh, we're hanging our cap on having you know such a great um, you know, nose tackle in the passing game. You know, and a guy who can, like drop into coverage and <laughs> knock balls down. It's not really what you're looking for out of a nose tackle normally. So um, right. DJ Jones definitely. Uh, Fits the bill a little bit a little bit better, and um, yeah, I mean, with, with Earl Mitchell and, and all the you know the um, the individuals that we have on the on the uh, on the defensive line who can play various positions, like why wouldn't you just put Buckner at, at, at one tech if you're gonna um, um, if you're gonna want a guy who can rush the passer? Yes, um, yeah, and, and 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 you know Jones has I mean, he's got a, a little bit of ability to to rush the passer, but I mean he's pretty much you know he's an, he's an early down um, you know. Uh, take up space in the middle and uh, try to double team him and um, you know, open up some uh, some one-on-one opportunities for some of the guys on the outside. Yeah, and to your point there, so DJ Jones played what a nose tackle should play. He was on, on the field for 32 snaps. Compare that to what Marcel Harris is on the field for 74 snaps, which is pretty much every play of the game. So that's you know a third of the time. That's when you're nose tackle is going to be on the field. So you shouldn't need to spend big money on a free agent nose tackle. And you shouldn't be worried about how good of a pass rusher your nose tackle is really, especially when you've got Buckner and Armstead and Solomon Thomas and uh, Sheldon day and all these other guys that Ronald Blair, even that you could use as interior rushers because third downs, your nose tackle probably shouldn't be on the field. So um, that being said, like you mentioned, like he uh, DJ Jones, isn't a great pass rusher, but he's athletic enough to maybe develop into a little bit better pass rusher. If teams are, you know, throwing the ball out of base, at, at least getting a push. But from what I saw and what I love of DJ Jones is not only that being stout at the, at the point of attack and being able to take on a double team, but he can stack and he can shed and he has range to make the play from the nose, which was evident from the first series of the game. I think it was either the play right before or the play right after the play we were talking about with Marcel Harris, who was covering uh, the tight end. Um, it was the opening drive, that first three-and-out drive. He's lined up not even at the one-tech. He's at zero-tech. He's right over the center, and it's just textbook. He controls the center. It wasn't a double team. It was a one-on-one. He controls the center with his hands, finds the ball violently with his hands, ditches the blocker, and has the ability to get on the move and get into the hole and 
meet Philip Lindsay there who's trying to hit that hole. And Philip Lindsay thinks he's got that hole, but the athleticism and the power with which Jones ditches that block, he's able to meet him there at the line of scrimmage for no gain or maybe it's a gain of a yard. And so that was just like textbook opening drive. You're like, yes, this is what the nose tackle is supposed to look like. Yeah, and it, it was sort of sort of uh, odd how, how they opened up the game with with some um, formations that um, they haven't really shown too much in the past. I mean, th- there are some I guess variations of formations that we've seen before in the um, you know, Pete Carroll um, and and his coaching trees uh, defensive coordinators uh, have used in the past, and you know, including some teams that Salah's been on. But um, yeah, having your your nose tackle just uh, straight up on the center, you know, it's these variations of either the bear front or like a double eagle front but but with with Harris you know on that seven tack it's, it's definitely something different and something I'm, I'm assuming that Denver was not not expecting and it, it does open up some um you know, you know some opportunities that a you know, to r- rush five at the passer which is something that Salah um uh, for some reason hasn't want, hasn't enjoyed doing for, for the majority of the season mm-hmm. um so um I, I, th- I think that definitely helped on, the, on that first drive because um you, you really you're really, you know, you're not only blitzing the uh, the quarterback in those situations, you're really blitzing the running back. So I, I think they just decided sort sort of the way that a lot of teams uh, decide when they play the Niners that we're just going to stack the box and we're just going to, you know, we're, we're going to attack your running back and that on the way to the quarterback and see if you can throw downfield. I, I think that Salah took the same type of uh, strategy and uh, and decided, you know, I'm just going to fill the box with eight guys. It, it may not be the order that, that the defense is expecting. But um, you know, people would be flying to the ball, and uh, and I think DJ Jones is a big big part of the reason why they're uh, they're able to do that because um, you, you put a guy like Earl Mitchell there in the middle, and um, you know he, he could easily get get pushed five yards into the backfield or, or into the you know into, into the secondary. So right. um, it, the fact that he can at least stand his ground there and uh, and take on a double team and, and not get shoved back, um, you know, it's just one of those players that you know he's he's, uh, he's not going to be a guy that uh, a lot of other uh, a lot of other te- uh, fans of other teams are going to know about, but a lot of other teams are going to know about him. And, and, you know, I think he'll be a, uh, you know, it has the possibility of being a, uh, a serious contributor here going forward. It, you know, like you said, you know, on a third of the snaps um, and maybe even less than that, if they, if they cycle on guys like, uh, like they, um, and then, and, and I think even on third down, they had um, um, Buckner at playing that the zero tech. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's a, an interesting little, uh, little, uh, 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 game play play uh, or scheme variation that, that uh, we haven't seen too much of that. It, it, if if Sal's doing things, something different to try to, to come up with a better result, then I'm all about it. So uh, and it, yeah, it, 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 hopefully it'll be successful uh, in the upcoming week as well. Right, and it worked. And so, and I I totally agree with what you're you're saying there. That line of thinking that okay, well now we have this guy DJ Jones when he's in the game, we could use him. You know. To, to take up those doubles and you can do things and it frees up other guys. And I don't think there's a coincidence of how good they played against the run against the team that was really running the ball very well. And so maybe a little bit different look that they weren't expecting. And then you have that stout guy in the middle that helps everybody else be free to go make their plays. And so, um, yeah, and I love that. And there's, you know, and like you mentioned, uh, divorce Buckner getting there inside and playing a little bit over the center. And then, You've got yeah. There was a lot of Solomon Thomas playing inside, and I know a lot of people wanted the Solomon Thomas film breakdown, and I'll have to do that as well. Armstead, uh, both of those guys probably should get broken down at some point. Um, 
I think DJ Reed is another guy who showed up big in this game, and he's one I'm excited to talk about. I think I'm going to wait for Eric Crocker on that, and we'll do a little DB breakdown, especially with DJ Reed and Akello Witherspoon. So that should be a fun one. And a couple other players I wanted to do on this episode, but they just didn't get enough snaps. Pita Tamoy Pino, he's only in there for five snaps, and zero of them were pass rush snaps. So that was disappointing. And then uh, Julian Taylor, he didn't flash as much in this game. In fact, DJ Jones was the number one graded defensive player on the 49ers with an 89.8 grade in that game from Pro Football Focus. Julian Taylor was actually the lowest on the on the team for the 49ers with the 38.1 in his 13 snaps. So not, not as much to break down there with Julian Taylor this week. So that'll have to wait for another week. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a, he's a guy that, you know, all, a lot of fans were really looking forward to having a uh, you know a season where he contributed, but so, so far hasn't been the case. But I mean, he's played played well in uh, in previous uh, previous weeks. But um, I think they need to figure out how they're, they're going to use him because you know, throwing him out there as a Leo is really not going to fly. He doesn't have the speed <laughs> for that. And a couple times they would just sort of take a tight end and and chip him and just you know let Keenum run away from him and. Um, you know, if that's going to be their strategy, then you're really going to have to uh, come up with a different way to use the guy. Because I mean, he's definitely a good run defender, but um, whether whether he, I really don't think that yeah, after trying to make uh, Solomon Thomas, Thomas a, a premier edge rusher, uh, especially a Leo, um, yeah, I don't think you're going to do it with uh, with, with Taylor. He's much better at a at a big end or, or somewhere in the inside where you can make more of a difference uh, against the run, and then you know maybe maybe every once in a while uh, as as a pass. Uh, as a pass rusher, but definitely not an exclusive pass rusher like they like, like they tried to use him on a handful of plays this last week. So yeah, hopefully they they find they find the right place for him uh, going forward because I mean he definitely has a lot of talent. He's a definitely definitely is an athlete. Right. Yeah, and it's it's just hard because they have so many redundant pieces and they just have all these big ends. And that's not even counting Kentavious Street, who his practice window just opened. I don't think he's going to play this year, but his practice window finally opened and he looks like he's healthy enough at least to practice right now. And I, I thought he might have a completely lost season. And I still would be surprised if he's activated in the last few weeks and plays any games for the 49ers this year, but he's another 280 pound defensive end. And that's along with, you know, Eric Armstead that they already have, who's under contract for another year, his fifth year option. Solomon Thomas, obviously who's been talked about ad nauseum and even DeForest Buckner who could play the big end spot really easily. If you had other guys um, that could play inside and, and play the opposite Leo spot. So, um, yeah, it's just crazy how many guys they have at big end. They got to figure that out, especially if they're going to start adding more defensive ends in the offseason that can actually rush the quarterback. Then they're going to have to figure out what to do with all these big ends. I got to imagine someone might get dangled in trade. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not, not, not sure who that's going to be. I, I can't imagine it's going to be one, one of the first round guys. Um, and it, I, I really would rather them not trade uh, Blair away because I've always been a big. Uh, Big, big, big uh, Blair fan from a uh, go Appy State, um, <laughs> and, and and he's he's actually uh, he he's shined uh, in, in a couple games. Mm-hmm. Uh, sacked this last game, and uh, he's come around a little bit here in the second half uh, of the season. So I'm hoping they, hang, they you know they uh, hold on to him. Um, but yeah, but like I think they have too many players in the position. Yeah, they're very heavy at uh, a defense at three four defensive end. I mean, maybe, maybe that's why they're using that the. Um, like the so the bear variation because it's more of like a, a three four uh, based defense. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's why they were using that just try to, to try to work some of their you know traditional three four defensive ends in at three four defensive end positions. Um, but yeah, but like they have way too many players in that position, and it seems like they have a lot of way too many of these um, hybrid safety corners where we're you know, we're not sure if we're playing them in the slot or 
safety or on the outside or, or where. So it's um yeah they they, uh, they need to you know, use these next couple of weeks to uh to, to figure out um you know what they have going forward so they can make some good uh good off uh, off season uh, decisions uh whether it be trade or release or, or bring in bringing uh, additional pieces whether on on the outside or maybe a free safety. And they're definitely doing that. They're letting the youngsters play down the stretch. And so it's exciting for me. And so that's why we're doing these uh, film reviews here to, to look at and see how these young players are playing. So uh, you can find the pictures to go along with these words about these guys. Follow Chris on Twitter at CGA Wilson. You can find me at BD Peacock. And then, of course, LockedOn49ers.com to find the podcast and the article to go with this podcast. And that's going to be up, Chris, Friday, Saturday? Uh, oh, no, uh, um, Friday. So, so okay. um it should be out uh, a little bit after your uh, after this podcast uh, airs in the morning. Awesome. All right. Check it out. LockedOn49ers.com. Chris, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the show. All right, thanks, buddy. Anytime, man. Be back to – no, we'll be back on Monday doing a rapid react from the Week 15 matchup. Seahawks 49ers right here on Locked On 49ers.